So anyways, I'm walking around, I'm trying to find the place and I have my gig bag, which was a duffel bag and backpack with stuff. And I had this garbage bag on my shoulder with a Mickey Mouse costume in it, including large Mickey Mouse hat. And this car pulls up and this guy rolls in, hey, I'm like, yeah, what's in the bag? I go, the head of Mickey Mouse. And he drives off. Hello and welcome to the No Name NYC podcast. My name is Eric Vetter. I'm the host of this thing and producer of New York City's longest running comedy variety show, No Name and a Bag of Chips, 28 years and counting. This is a place where we meet with people who've done our shows through the years and just sit down and have chats with them about the experience of being an artist in the New York City area. The voice you heard up front was our good friend Lee Allen Barrett. Lee Allen Barrett is our favorite comic magician, and in fact, he's the first magician that we've had on the podcast, and I'm kind of really interested to talk to him. You know, I don't really know that world, and uh, hopefully he'll shed a little light on us and let let us know what that experience is about. And we're going to get to that in a little bit. First, I want to get something off my chest. In one of last month's episodes, I was talking about the fact that this is our 10th or 11th episode, depending on when it's released, and this is still a new game, but I, I'm really proud of the work we've been doing. I think we've had some really excellent episodes, but I'm definitely learning on the fly. This is a new thing for me. As a result, I, I've really been spending a lot of time listening back to episodes that we've already put out there, trying to get a sense of what's working, what's not working, and uh, I was listening to a recent episode and it kept dropping out. Now, it's dropping out during my opening monologue, and I'm kind of used to people doing that when I'm doing live shows, but in the podcast, it was kind of a different experience, and I was perplexed by this. You know, it would stop, and I'd get it started again, and then go for a little bit, and then stop again, and I'm trying to figure this out, and then it hit me. As many of you may know, in the last couple of years, I have a condition that has robbed me of most of my eyesight, and I've been learning to use new gadgets and apps and various things. I've actually been receiving training on the use of Google Assistant for my phone, which is actually how I called up the podcast to listen. I whined about that on, on this particular episode, the things that Google Assistant doesn't do so well, which is not a small number of things. So what happened was, as my phone was playing my voice talking about the Google Assistant, as I was talking about examples of when things went horribly wrong, I would say, hey, Google. And what happened is every time the phone heard me saying that on the podcast, it thought I was going to give it a command, so it just stopped everything. And I thought it was kind of funny, like, oh, okay, at least I figured it out. And then I couldn't get it back on. And then my phone said something I'd never heard it say before. It said, nothing's wrong. I'm just happy to talk to you, which at first made me really laugh. And then I thought about it, and it was a little unsettling. I think I've got a new problem. I think my phone may have a crush on me. I'll keep you guys posted. If I disappear, please check into the whereabouts of my phone. Anyway, can't wait to talk to Lee Allen Barrett, and you won't have to wait much longer. We'll get right to that after this message from our sponsor. Escape to Green Bay. That's right, the historic Astor House bed and breakfast in beautiful Green Bay, Wisconsin. 
Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a bed and breakfast before, but the breakfast at a lot of these places tends to be like a mini box of cereal or uh, some questionable fruit, things of that nature, a piece of toast maybe with some butter. But not at the historic Astor House bed and breakfast. Your innkeepers, Tom and Linda Steber, will provide you with a delicious, absolutely world-class breakfast every single morning. They will also make you feel welcome in any one of their five luxury accommodations, all of which have a private bath and some of which have their own jacuzzi. If you want to know what's going on around town, Tom and Linda will let you know about any special events, and they'll also make recommendations for you to any of the wonderful restaurants in town. So you can't beat it. Go. Go now. Go. Get away to Green Bay. For more information or for reservations, go to www.astorhouse.com. That's A-S-T-O-R-H-O-U-S-E.com. Get away to Green Bay. Dude, you know, I was, I was trying to think, Lee's been doing shows with us since 94. I actually was a part of your sketch <laughs> That's what I'm saying, yeah. With you and Don. And was it 94 when we started all this? It was 94, February yeah, 26, yeah, yeah, 1994. Yeah, yeah. I remember the auditions for that. We were at a little uh, performance space, Upper West Side. Yeah. And you're auditioning for people in your sketch group. And you auditioned at the place where we were doing the actual shows at the time, right? I don't think so, because when I started doing shows with you, we started doing it at Don't Tell Mamas. Oh, okay. We were we were like on, on a transitional point at that time. If you then, say yeah. so, I was unaware of the uh, the producer's notes on this. Uh, I was <laughs> well, you know, uh, we, we tried to keep you in the dark. The less you knew, the better we thought. It worked better that way. Yeah, yeah I think much. so. Everyone yeah. was happier. Yeah. I remember it now. So you auditioned for us. It was by Columbia University, right? Like it was Upper West Side, 110th, 114th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was where we I were doing that. shows. And then we found out we'd get gouged a lot less if we did it at Don't Tell Mama. And people actually knew of Don't Tell Mama, which still exists. By the way, you know, Alex D'Souza, who's our, our drummer, made a return to Cabaret at Don't Tell Mama. The first oh, time cool. I'd been in Don't Tell Mama in about 25 years. I've walked past to have him in there since. You know, was, well, when we started, it was with your sketch group. And I was one of your performers for that. And yeah. I stuck with it until I got a, a out-of-town gig for a while. And I had, you know, I left. Which oh, was, I, I, uh, was I, I, th- I thought it was just uh, disgusted with us. I no, 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 no. Surprisingly not. No, it wasn't disgusted <laughs> at all, weirdly enough. I stuck with you guys, and then I had out of town. I had this touring gig for a while, and when I got back, you'd changed the format at some point. And yeah. you said, hey, I'm just doing it as like an open mic thing for people to come and do stuff. Do you want to come and do stuff? And at that point, I was kind of working on the magic stuff a little bit, and I well, what? I'm not sure how long a period it was between when I got back, when you started doing the No Name show as a, as a sort of an open well, artist the, format, if you will. For the first six years of our existence, most of that time we were a sketch comedy group. Yeah. And you auditioned as soon as like a couple of people from our original cast left, which was after maybe three or four shows, something like that. So you were part of the first cattle call we ever had. And like, oh, this guy's good. And you were and you are. But we did the sketch thing for about six years, but somewhere in year five or year six, Dawn, Dawn Owens, who co-founded No Name with me, she and I had been talking about doing a sort of variety show format, uh, just because we knew so many folks who were really talented, who were looking for stage time. Yeah. 
If you're at a certain level, but you're not at a certain higher level, the open mic thing can get to be a drag sometimes because you're not a beginner, but you're not getting paid headlining bucks. We just wanted to put out a space where people who were good could and, work on their craft. And you did. You did. And when you I think, started working with you again, it was when you were at the theater. The common on, Basis Theater. Common Basis Theater. And it was very common. On 46th Street and 8th Avenue, you gave me a space to be bad. And then what I mean by that is if you want to be good at this type of stuff, whether it be stand-up or whatever, you need places where you can perform and you get a chance just to be bad for a while. And you gave that to me, and I was bad for a while, you know? Well, we didn't uh, but, know any better. We thought you, you know, were good. Uh, I know. So did, yeah, I, I fooled a lot of people. But the, understandably, it was common-based theater, so we would I would come into the city to do these shows at 1130 at night, I think it was our start time. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. when they stopped doing shows in that little black box theater... And we had to use whatever setup they had, whatever uh, scenes they had set up for whatever plays they were doing. We would use that as sort of the backdrop. I'm going to interrupt you Go for ahead. a second because there's two things. One is that I want to say, I remember in some of the last gigs you did with us as a sketch performer, if we hung out, a bunch of us hung out after the show, I remember you sitting there playing with cards. I didn't realize you were getting deep in at that point. Oh, but I didn't, I I didn't realize were, it either. <laughs> but, you know, but I knew that you were playing with it, you know, all the time. Obviously, it had your attention. And, you know, that's why when we d decided to start playing with the variety format, I thought was like, oh, who's working on stuff? And, and you had gotten back at that yeah. point. Like, hey, would you be interested? All right. So there's that. You're not a native New Yorker, right? No. I grew up in upstate New York, um, about four hours uh, from the city, a little town called Cortland. Mm -hmm. uh, it's between Syracuse and Ithaca. And that's how most people know it. I'll say, where'd you grow up? Cortland. Where's that? You know where Syracuse is? Oh, yeah. We know where Ithaca is? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right in the middle. Got it. How'd you like that? <laughs> You're here now. Small town life, you know. Uh, I grew up there. I went to school in the area. I went to high school in the area. I even went to college in my hometown, which was SUNY Cortland. <laughs> After I was graduating from high school, I, I, I applied for, to Syracuse and Ithaca and, and, of course, Cortland. Cortland accepted me and no one else did. I'm like, well, then I guess I'm going to Cortland, which was fine. The campus is only like 20 minutes away from my, where the house I grew up in. So, is that good or bad? Uh, well, uh, no, it was fine because uh, I lived on campus. I didn't live at home. Uh -huh. My parents like, well, you don't want to live home. I'm like, no, I don't. So I lived <laughs> on campus. And when I was going there, I found the theater department there. And, and then that's what I did for four years. So uh, you didn't have a thought about theater before you went there? I knew I wanted to do something creative. So mm -hmm. I was looking into the communications department. I knew I wanted to be a Bachelor of Arts because I mm -hmm. wanted to be involved in the arts somehow. In high school, I was really not much into uh, any of the clubs. I, I Little clubs here and there, uh, the school newspaper, uh, things like that. One time, the SUNY Cortland Theater Department, before my time there, used to do a dramatic competition for the high schools around them. Mm -hmm. And my English teacher, Mrs. Christopher, said, hey, uh, Lee, you know, do you think maybe you'd like to do something like this? Yeah, sure. It sounds like fun. So I did a monologue. Uh, and I did a monologue from uh, a short story by Mark Twain. I didn't win anything, but I got really good notes back on it. And right. Mr. was like, Lee, you did really well with this. You should think about maybe doing more theater. I was like, hmm, okay, that's a thought. So when I got into SUNY Cortland, I knew I wanted to do something creative. So I was going to go for a BA in theater, but I didn't know what. So I came in undecided as a major mm -hmm. at the time. And of course, being undecided and doing a BA, there were certain courses you had to take, science courses, so forth. So I started out, uh, uh, boy, did I do a communication class at that time? I'm not sure, but I did take intro to theater. 
And one of those electives, they're like, well, sure, let's do this. Here's the thing, because you're inside the theater building, which is called oh, the Downs yeah, yeah, Fine yeah. Arts Building, where I spent most of my four years after that. Mm-hmm. They were auditioning for plays and stuff. And I thought, you know what? Well, let's shoot. Let's, let's go for a play. Why not? So I auditioned mm-hmm. for a one act being directed by one of the students there as part of this uh, directing project. Right, right. Uh, and Money. here's the thing. When I got in there and it was 88, a lot of the male, usual male actors, students they'd had, had graduated out. Uh, they had a okay. lot of females who were there performing, but they didn't have a lot of males. So they were desperate. And that's works to my advantage always. <laughs> so desperation, I went in, I auditioned, I got what, and then they said, well, Lee, there's another, we're doing a main stage production here, Christmas Carol, you should audition. I'm like, okay, sure. I auditioned for that and got a nice role in that. And mm-hmm. I just kept rolling with it. And so at one point someone said, hey, have you thought about a, a major in theater? I'm like, okay. So <laughs> I did that. Uh, I was like, you know what? I like theater and being there in a small department, because if I had gone to Ithaca or Syracuse and got involved in theater, I never, I wouldn't have been on the main stage until maybe my senior year. Mm-hmm. But SUNY Corland, and again, desperation works to always to my advantage okay. because they needed warm bodies on that stage. Mm-hmm. My freshman year, I'm on the main stage. In my four years there, I thought about a while back, I did about 30 productions in my four mm-hmm. years there. That's always on stage. And also I help backstage and stuff like that. But me being from an audience, at least 30 productions in the four years I was there. Man, that, that's So I was like, pretty... I got bit big by the bug. So when I graduated, I said, I want to go to New York and go into an acting school. And that's what I did. Uh, actually, think... when I got out, I did some summer stock mm-hmm. at Auburn Marygrown Playhouse. They, again, the guy there at the time, uh, Sales was his last name. I think it was, was it George? He Did knew we? the head of my theater department, Dr. Palmer, and okay. he was desperate for people. Again, desperation. And he says, well, Lee's not doing this summer. And say, Lee, uh, we're doing uh, Guys and Dolls. I'm like, well, I don't have any musical backgrounds. Like, doesn't, doesn't, I don't care. I just need a warm body. So I went out there in Auburn, did did so some stuff. So your skill set was appropriate. Yeah. And I was called the, the stage manager role, which is a nice little role in that production. Actually, they had me dancing from the audience at one point, And I'm like, oh, this is going to look good. You know, everybody else is in tap shoes and dance gear. And I'm in jeans and a t-shirt and sneakers. I'm like, I don't know. Something's, one of these things is not like the other. But they you know, tossed me in, uh, put me in a costume. I'm on stage. I'm loving it. Digging and hanging out with the other people. Next summer, I came back and did their children's theater production. They mm-hmm. do a summer summer theater thing with kids. They go around to parks and stuff. I was in that. I graduated in 92, so I had about two years of my life bumming around doing jobs at, and living at home, doing work, and then doing summer stock and this children's mm-hmm. theater. I even did community theater, too. You know, anything just to keep my foot in stuff. Sure, And I sure. would. And I was, what were you doing, like, just day job type stuff? Uh, I worked or? at a motel for a while as mm-hmm. the night clerk. That was interesting work. Because <laughs> uh, you're there till like, 3 in the morning sometimes or, you know, early days. I auditioned to go to a school in New York, a couple of conservatories. I got accepted by two. One of them had housing and offered me a little money. And I'm like, you're my guy. So I went in. It was called AMDA, American Music and Dramatic Academy. And I went under their studio program in 1994. And it's a two-year program. And they had housing for their students. So for me, that's the bonus. It's going to New York City. I don't have to worry about trying to find a place to so live. So you were still there when you auditioned for us then, right? I had just graduated when I auditioned for you guys. Oh, okay. It was okay. a two-year program. Because yeah, I graduated was, you guys was... in like 96. It was a two-year program. I was done in 96. I think I think it was April of 96 when I officially graduated. I'm curious on the timeline because I know that you joined us in 94. Are you that sure? That was our first year. I'm certain of that. Yeah. Because I graduated in 92. Know... I didn't move to New York till 94. And I didn't mm-hmm. get out of AMDA until 96. I'm not sure about your timeline. I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you on that, but not right now. Later, on, we'll, we'll have a fight in the parking lot. Sure, sure, no problem. Yeah, well, and we'll, I think I'm gonna win, but that's just because <laughs> I cheat. But oh, well, yeah, okay, when, you probably will. When win, I graduated at AMDA, I started auditioning. Sure, for take anything. advantage of the blind guy. Why don't you? 
You'll never see I'm me gonna... coming. <laughs> oh, I never get told. We're gonna cut uh, that, right? We're gonna cut that because I don't. I, I don't want people. You, I know you clearly to hear don't that. know our producer. Oh my god. So Anyways, I, so I did. Uh, after point I got being, out, you graduated, and, and I auditioned for anything I could find. I was looking at a sketch. I took an improv class. I was because comedy were, were was you my looking strong specifically point. Specifically, comedy stuff. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, yeah. And I did some children's theater off of Grove Street. It was called Grove Street Playhouse. I was in their children's theater production. I did a couple shows there. Mm-hmm. I got into your sketch group. Uh, there was an improv troupe I was with for a little while. I think it was called Loose Screws. That was the name of it. So I was auditioning. And one of the things I ended up getting was these the school tour, which took me away from New York for a while. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a long tour. It was like we'd go out for a couple, like we used to come back and so forth. Right. But that's when I stopped with No Name for a while. But I kept with that. And then I came back to New York. I ended up getting a job. And I'm, I'm just hitting the high points here at uh, the Jekyll and Hyde Club. Well, this is all going on. I'm sorry to backtrack. I was doing children's birthday parties for a company called Best Clowns. This was something I did on the weekends, and it was for like $35 a party. <laughs> they had this thing where, look, we have a clown college. They said, well, we'll train you to do the kids' parties. We're going to charge you for the clown college, and then you come work for us, and then we can work off the debt. I'm like, what do I need to know to do parties for you now? I said, well, you got to do some magic. I have to do some balloon twisting, and I have to do some face painting. I'm like, well, I got magic at home. I had a little box of tricks at home. Because growing up, I had some interest in it. I had a brother who had magic around the house and kits. It was one of his hobbies. So, you know, I had a little interest in it. So I, I brought some tricks back with me from a visit from home. Weirdly enough, I'd already knew how to twist some balloons. I picked up a kit at one point. Okay. And so I'm doing that. And the face painting for me was pretty much like, hey, you want me to put a little flower in your cheek? And I, as a kid's like, because these little kids don't know what they want. I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. So uh, face painting uh, was just me with these little face paint crayons. So I did that on the weekends. Now, did, is this uh, when you... Getting into this is that's this what brought me back to tour. Well, I, I was I was doing a little bit of that before I went on tour, and then I did it when I came back. You were starting to do some of this before you left the sketch. The, too, yeah, right? the magic I started to creep back in because of the kids shows. Right, and I was like, hey, I kind of like magic. I, so I know I was you doing little you, bits and pieces. You were, I was playing with it, and I know you were kind of done with doing the costume things. You may have been doing it, but I mean, in, mentally you were like, oh, I, I, I want to find a way of doing Here, something other than that. Well, here's the thing. When you worked for Best Clowns, you, if you did a, a basic clown party, mm-hmm. you go in, you would do a little magic show. You would do some balloons for the kids and face painting. And for extra money, you would dress up and as a costume character and come back. And part of it was you play games with the kids, but you really just kind of hung around and just waved your hands in the air because they couldn't hear you through the costume. <laughs> And best clowns, like, we'll, we'll, we'll supply the costumes. Like, so if I did, a, like, let's say, a birthday party and a Barney gig, or I'm sorry, the purple dinosaur gig, because they didn't have an official Barney <laughs> outfit. That's, you know, royalties there. So they had the purple dinosaur outfit. They would give it to you in a garbage bag, and you would carry it to the gig. So one night, I'm in Harlem looking to do this. Now, this is before smartphones. That's how old I am. So I have books with maps, and I have street maps, and I have uh, subway maps with me. And, I'm, and I have a party. I'm supposed to start at Harlem. The party starts about nine o'clock at night mm-hmm. so i'm walking around trying to wait find that, how old are these kids they're little kids but they do they would do but parties starting at 9 parties p.m happen 9 p.m oh, sorry because yeah. the parents or the adults would be having a good time drinking eating right. and my job was pretty much just the babysit that mm-hmm. i understood that i'm walking around I'm trying to find the place and i have my my gig bag which was a duffel bag and backpack with stuff and i had this garbage bag on my shoulder with a mickey mouse costume in it including large mickey mouse hat and this car pulls up and this guy rolls in hey i'm like yeah What's in the bag? I go, the head of Mickey Mouse. And he drives off. <laughs> oh, man, I've not heard that one. I get to the party <laughs> and the kids are desperate for attention. So I do my clown act and whatever. And I come back out as Mickey Mouse. 
The kids just glom to me. They're like, oh, Mickey, we love you. Mickey, we love you. Again, it's not a Mickey Mouse outfit. It's a giant mouse outfit. <laughs> so the kids are glom to me. Fortunately, sometimes these parties, there are no adults hanging around. I'm just there and they're like, they're off drinking or whatever and having a good right, time. Right. One adult for this one had stuck around for me and God bless this woman. They had a pinata in the center of the room with a Mickey face. And in one of those pinatas, all you have to do is just pull the cord and all the candy falls out. So yeah. I'm like, oh my God, these kids are glom to me. My time's almost up. I got, I got out of here. I, ah. So I turned to the woman because she can barely hear me through the mask. Went, hey, she said, yeah, you got a camera? Yeah. How about this? I'm going to start the pinata. You take a picture of this. What do you think? She goes, great, great. Stands back and she goes, cheese. I pull the cord and I know what's going to happen. This candy's going to hit the ground. And when this candy hits the ground, the kids are going to hit the ground. And that's exactly what happened. Candy, boom. Kids, boom. No one's on me. They're on the ground fighting for the candy. I just step over the children, say goodbye to the woman who took the picture. Right. Leaving her to deal with the sugar rush kids. I'm like, I, I'm sorry. One of us has to go. <laughs> it's either you and me. I'm choosing me. <laughs> I go back. I change out. I get the money from the mom. It's like, oh, you're leaving now? I'm like, yeah, you got my show. I'm done. Time's up. Got to go. Take my money from the mom and I'm out the door. I'm right, gone. Right. I'm gone. Nowadays, I still do kids parties, but it's for me. I choose how much I make. And then do you do costumes? Like, no, no costumes. It's just a magic show. Sometimes I'll do balloons for them if I want to do like a little add-on. But no face painting because I'm horrible at it. So that's what I used to do. And then I, I got hired by Jekyll and Hyde Club. When I got hired by the Jekyll and Hyde Club as a full-time performer, which means mm-hmm. my job was to dress up as a costume, as a character, and walk around their, their for, restaurant for the, for club. For those who may not remember, explain a little bit about what the Jekyll and Hyde Club okay. was. At one point in New York, there were a whole bunch of theme restaurants opening up. Mm-hmm. There was the Planet Hollywood. There was the All-Star Cafe, Hard Rock. This was called the Jekyll and Hyde Club. It originally started as the Jekyll and Hyde Pub in the village. And the owner had taken elements, some would say, maybe stolen, I'm not sure, I'm not going to go into that, from Disney's theme restaurants and applied it there, where you had things on the walls that talked to you. There was a little show or a, a Dr. Frankenstein of some kind or a mad scientist made a monster come to life. And they would walk around in characters and interacting with the audience. He then built a bigger version of this called the Jekyll and Hyde Club off of 57th Street. That's where I was hired. And there were four floors. My job as a full-time employee there was to dress up as a costume and walk around just as a character interacting at the tables, then going upstairs into our control room and helping with run the puppets or do one of the live shows on the main floor. When I got hired by that, I also got my equity card. Because at that point, they were under an equity cabaret contract. Equity saw these theme restaurants popping up and thought, hey, maybe we can get our people work there. So they started with the Jekyll and Hyde Club as a cabaret contract. Some years later, that contract went away when all the theme restaurants started closing. We had like a like a, a flood of them at one point. There was the Hard Rock Cafe. There was Planet Hollywood. There was the All-Star Cafe. There was the Fashion Club Cafe. It was all about fashion and, and models and so forth, where I'm, I'm sure the menu was great. There was the Harley <laughs> Davidson Cafe. Lots of salad. Lots uh, of salad. Even Caroline's, the comedy club, they opened their own themed restaurant, just called Ha, H-A. Yeah. All of them are gone now. Jekyll and Hyde Club lasted for a while. Then they got taken over by someone else, and then it got sold the building. Even the pub lasted, I think, up till the pandemic. Oh, too bad. Yeah, yeah. That was was an era of theme restaurants there. Yeah, yeah, I was not a big fan of the theme restaurants, but I always liked where they were coming from, at least in kind of Well, so I did Jekyll and Hyde Club. I met a woman there who I ended up marrying. She was an Mm -hmm. actor, actor there as well. We met. We got together. We got engaged. We got married after we both had left there. We got married. I got what I called the normal job. 
because one of us had to make money. <laughs> it was this thing. She wanted to own a house someday. I'm like, oh, well, okay. we're not going to do that with us working party gigs and things like that. Because we did some gigs not after that. that attitude you want. No, no. Where did this fall into when you were starting to do our show? Because what I'm wondering ah, is, were that's, we, that's were we of any use to oh, you yes, in terms yes, 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 yes. developing stuff for that? Here, here's the thing. Oh, not even developing. Just, just keeping my hand in, in the whole mm-hmm. world. Because when I got the normal job, I was still doing gigs on the weekends and stuff. Even demonstrating magic kits at F.A.R. Schwartz. I was demonstrating there for a while on and off during the holidays. And my wife comes to his lead. You, you work all day, all week. And then you're out on the weekends. I barely see you. Uh, could you not do gigs on the weekend anymore? I'm like, that's a fair thing to ask. We're a married couple. We want to spend mm-hmm. time together. So I, I gave up doing party work. You know, people would call. I'd say, I'm sorry, I don't do that anymore. But the only thing I kept my hand in was the magic, working on little tricks and stuff. And the only time I performed any of it was at your show. So your show wasn't so much developing for me. It was also my opportunity to get in front of an audience. We always loved you. You always got a great response. And sometimes there was someone there to respond. Sometimes. <laughs> no, no, you remember that night. There were two people oh, oh, there. Oh, <laughs> there'd be nights I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm going out to do Eric's show. And she's like, oh, Lee, it's like like 10 o'clock at night. I said, yeah, I know, but the show's 1130. She's like, fine. So I would go. I would come from Queens, jump on the subway. Like we were used to live at the last stop in the end train, come from the subway, go all the way in the city, go to 48th Street, go to your building where they're up the flights or that rickety elevator that smelled a little bit like urine most days to do your show one Uh night. It was just you and me. Mm. You had the baked goods your sister made, your cheap beer laid out. No one else showed up except for two women who had seen the ad in Time Out New York. And they walked Even in. Even they showed up like about 40 minutes late. Oh, yeah. They looked around a dark theater with just you and me looking at them like, what have we walked into? And it's like, hey, we're not going to steal your kidneys. Don't worry about it. You're fine. So these two people... You, you did some mess stand-up for him. I did a couple car tricks for him. And I think it was the night the Yankees were playing in the World Series. Was Subway it? Series. The Subway Series. That was the Subway Series. So nobody was coming because they're all out on the TVs watching the games. Except for you, me, and these two women who were scared to death because they didn't know what was going on. <laughs> so I said, hey, don't worry. We're fine. We're fine. You don't have to worry. We're not weird or anything. So I did some car tricks for him. You did a little stand-up for him. And they had some beer and a big good, and they got the hell out of there. Similarly, you know, we had a, a number of nights that, that were patterned somewhat along that. I remember the night that basically all our acts had canceled except for you. Yeah. And uh, I think one person showed up really late. But they all, at, at showtime, there were only two people in the audience. There were a couple who had seen us listed. We used to get listings from everywhere. And um, if you remember that those things with the paper, what they call magazines. Yeah, yeah, I remember those. Um, and and they revealed to us that they were on their first date, and I don't know who suggested it to the other, but clearly they were reassessing every aspect of that evening. And I remember, you know, about twenty minutes after we were supposed to start, and I didn't want to start with you being the only person there, because not everyone had officially canceled. You did like close-up magic for them for like a good 20 minutes to a half hour. It was the same trick over and over again, though, because I know Well, no, you know, kidding. but they received it like it was different. They were, they were too busy trying to be uncomfortable with each other. But what I remember is that they did leave. We, we wound up not really doing a show beyond that. But uh, I remember they... They left with smiles on their faces and they looked like they were having a good time. That may have just been relief of getting out of there. I, but I, still, I, I thought it was, it was it was one of those things like, 
I would love to know if they made it as a couple because that would be a great. Let me tell you the story of the night we met. I'd like to think somewhere along the line they they stayed together, they got married, and their first child they named a no name. <laughs> but that's just my hopes and dreams. It, that that would make me happier. Like, Daddy, than mommy, anything. why did you name me no name? Did you guys not couldn't come up with anything? No, we want to tell you about the. Oh night, God, the first mom night and dad met. are going to tell the story again. Yeah. yeah. So you were the only venue for me for a long time when I was mm-hmm. married. After we got divorced and I decided to go back into performing a lot more, a lot more. Right, right. So I got into an improv troupe. I, I started taking classes in improv and stand up and sketch. And I started doing more magic shows. You put shows. it deep in with improv at some point, right? I still kind of am. Yeah, I'm, still, okay, with the, yeah, I'm yeah. still with the same group, Comedy Sports New York. I've been with them since 2005. I'm still a member of them. I do show. We're back to doing shows again, so I'm back doing shows with them. Great group of people, a lot of fun. It's a but I loved improv. I still do. You've always been very good at it. I mean, that was part of why he, you aced the audition for our sketch <laughs> troupe. No, could we? We I remember that the people who auditioned, we would have them do a scene twice, once with the script and once with throwing the script away. And I think we we sometimes had them reverse the roles or whatever. We'd audition, audition two at a time so we could see kind of how people were interacting with other performers as well. And and you were just like, you had a flair for the comedic lines when when you were reading the script. And once the script was thrown away, you you just like fully alive and engaged and and very responsive to the person you were auditioning with. And, you know, I, I still find those qualities in your work today. I mean, now you do the magic and you're... You're interacting with the audience, and that's why we love you. That's like I I said to somebody the other day, really through the years, anytime we had a gig that we considered an important gig for some reason or another or whatever, like, got to have Lee get out there first, you know, warm up the audience, and people are laughing and have. And for those of, uh, who have not seen Lee, I hope you're okay with this, but I have sometimes described you to people as a great magician, very funny, but if people of a certain age will say, kind of like when Harry Anderson was starting out and doing doing comedy magic sort of a thing, you know, in, in the sense of that, that energy and, and it's funny as well as like really good tricks, you know? Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Took me a second wow. to take that in. Wow, that, that I, out of all the things said here, that's the one that stopped you. Uh, but, <laughs> Well, you're, you're, you you do great work. So well, thank, um, you, thank you. I, I always had fun doing your shows. I really did. I always did. So after the divorce, I'm still working the normal job, as I called it, and I'm I'm getting myself out there as much as I can. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go back to performing. Yeah. And I realized after the divorce and getting into therapy and so how how much performing meant to me, mm-hmm. and that's something I'm never going to go away from again. I promised myself that, and I've kept that promise all these years. So uh, I got laid off in the normal job, but I'm still uh, working things. I'm doing side jobs. I'm still doing your show whenever you popped up because you had moved it to a couple different locations, but I'm still going in and I'm doing like five minutes thanks to you. I'm still doing some party work. I got hired by another company called Postworks, and then I got hired by another theme restaurant too, which I did on nights and weekends called Ninja New York. Mm. Ninja New York was a restaurant and still exists in Japan. This is the main, their main office. That's the main restaurant. They opened a New York branch. I guess the idea was to open more branches in the U.S., which never happened. I was hired as a magician to do walk-around work, which means I would go to the tables, usually towards the end of the meal, and do a little magic show for them. Is this all on one level? Yes. I I know like at Jekyll and Hyde, you were going from floor to floor. Well, here's the thing. Ninja New York, you would go through the main entrance. It used to be over by World Trade. You go through the entrance. 
You go an elevator down, mm-hmm. and they built this whole ninja village in the basement of this, this restaurant, this building. Oh, okay. And that was the restaurant. And everyone was dressed like a ninja, including <laughs> me. It's okay to laugh. Everyone else did. So I would go from table to table, and I was working on my magic act, and I was okay in the beginning. A friend of mine was already working there, and they need somebody for an extra help, extra magician mm-hmm. for the, ho- the holidays. He said, Lee, you're interested? Yeah, because I need the money, and I, I want to work out my stuff. So I got hired for the holidays just for during the Christmas season. And yeah. afterwards, they said, hey, the magic was like, hey, we, we like you, Lee. Would you like at least one day a week here as a permanent schedule? I'm like, heck yeah. Mm-hmm. So they put me on Monday nights. I'd go there Monday after I was done with my job. My job was uh, an early morning job to about four in the afternoon. And then I would uh, be at Ninja from like six to closing. And I did that on Mondays. I ended up getting another shift on sat- Sundays from them. And then I would work other days too. So I was there for 11 years. Mm. Did this themed restaurant dresses a ninja doing magic that, that, that's table hopping? Pretty good for stretch for a theme. It's restaurant. a very good stretch for a theme. They actually closed down a week before the pandemic closed everybody else down. Mm. And the funny thing is, I remember because this was this was a good amount of, of income too because we made really good tips there. You know, mm. the wait staff was they made there, but the the magic staff because I was one of like four or five guys there. Right, we made like fifteen dollars an hour, which is okay. But right. then you, then you got tipped too usually from the table, so you made good money walking out of there. And again, I still paid all my taxes. So I worked there. And then this was a, like a week, maybe a week and a half before the pandemic hit and everything got shut down. I get a call. Hey, Lee, we're having a, a group meeting. This is a Friday. Can you make it tonight? I'm like, well, I can't make it tonight. What about tomorrow? Yeah, I'll come in tomorrow. And they'd had group meetings before that for whatever reasons. And, you know, somebody would come and talk about the insurance plans or things like that. But as soon as I hung up the phone, my back of my head's going, they're going to close. I don't know why that thought popped into my head. It just mm. did. So I called up one of the magicians. I knew they were Mike and said, hey, Mike, hear about this meeting going? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's probably they're talking about this health protocols. You know, there's something, some kind of uh, COVID thing going around, whatever. And I, I don't think it's a big deal. Uh, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then that night, a friend of mine had asked me to, his son, uh, his school was having like a talent show night. Mm. I said, Lee, can you come in and do like five, 10 minutes at the beginning of the show just to warm the crowd up? I'm like, sure, why not? So as I'm walking to his door, I get the call. Yeah, man, they're shutting down. They're closing up the restaurant tomorrow. I'm like, oh my God, no. So my friend's like, hey, Lee, come on in. We're gonna walk over to the school. It's just around the corner. I'm like, oh, okay, I need a minute. I need a minute. What's wrong? Because my job is gone. And and we went in and I went to the talent show and I'm in the wings going, trying to get a hold of the people. Like, is this really happening? He's like, yes. Oh, God damn. And I'm like, I'm fuming, my head's spinning. And like the, the one of the people, one of the teachers is like, hey, uh, Mr. Barrett, do you mind if little Bobby helps you with one of your tricks? He's going to do a Lego thing and no one can really see that. I'm like, sure, we'll bring Bobby on. Yeah, I'll tell him about the facts of life. Why not? Hey, Bobby, you know what it's like when you have your career go down the toilet? Come on, Bobby. Let's do that in front of the audience. Come on. let's. I can tell you how everything just crashed in front of me. You want to do that, Bobby? I didn't say that to the kid. Thanks. What I said was, yeah, sure, no problem. So I go out there in front of these kids, and there's other little kids, and they're all they're all there. And I do like five, ten minutes. I do my usual stuff. I bring Bobby up. It was, his name wasn't Bobby. I don't remember the kid's name. I was my I was seeing red. I don't remember anything. Yeah, so I brought yeah, this kid yeah. up, and I did a little SpongeBob routine with him. We had a great time, and I'm leaving. My friends like, are you, are, you, are you gonna be okay? I'm like, yeah, I got another show to do out in Queens, which I did. Your show, our QED show, last anniversary show. I had to be there that night for you. So I roll in, and I did your show, and we did an interview afterwards and my, my brain's still going, oh my God, 11 years gone in a heartbeat. And the next day, went to that meeting and they said, yeah, we're closing up. So they had a little party afterwards and, you know, people were eating whatever food that was left over. And it oh, was it, that was the end of my theme restaurant, at Nin, my work at Ninja New York. Wow. And uh, a week later, 
Yeah, everything, everything went away. Everything shut down. Everything went away. So oh, I should mention that also at that point I was doing uh, comedy clubs. I had some usual regular gigs at comedy clubs and, and we were doing magic shows out in Coney. So I had all these other regular gigs. Shows. I had some regular gigs like like I, they yeah. had me on like once a week, twice a week. So and then when the pandemic hit, all that went away. Mm. Gone. Everything gone. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, but that's actually kind of uh, that that's the, the territory I wanted to go to because like. You know, you go from the day job and, you know, trying to navigate parties on weekends and all of this. And then Ninja, did that become your main source ah, of income for good a while? Good question. In 2015, my, my my other normal job, which I called them, at PostWorks New York, I was the uh, sort of the assistant manager of the traffic and library department. Mm -hmm. In 2015, they had decided to cut back on people and I was laid off. So the only work I had was Ninja New York. And then I ended up picking up uh, jobs teaching after school programs for kids. So it was Ninja New York, after school programs for kids, doing party work on the side and rotating those, those jobs at the comedy club and, and Magic at Coney and things like that. I literally became a full-time performer because the normal job was gone. So I became, everything I made was from performing from that point on. That must have been a very scary moment to lose the, Not as, the quote unquote, but I, I was going to say, did, was that kind of exciting? In 2015, when I lost post-work job, yeah. I had already been, I had the, the other normal job I had when I was married and after I got divorced and I got laid off from that, that yeah. was scary. When 2015 rolled around, they laid me off. And again, I kind of saw it coming, so it wasn't a big shocker. Right. Literally, I was joking with the other guy in my department. Everybody else had moved out. And because they were moving everything out of the old building into a new, had another space there, that was going to be their main space. So they were shutting everything down. Literally, me and a guy named uh, Jeffrey, we were sitting there in our chairs. And I made a joke. So Jeffrey, you know, at some point, they're just going to turn the lights off and leave us here. And at one point, they had taken everything out. Computers are gone. Just me and Jeffrey sitting in our chairs in this empty <laughs> space and finally said hey, hey Lee, the uh the uh um uh, so-and-so would like to speak to you can they, uh, oh really really okay sure i wonder what it's about <laughs> man they they had said hey lee yeah we're, we're gonna let you go i'm sorry lee because we don't need another assistant manager we have one over there uh but if you could stay for a week and help train our receptionist to deal with the mail and stuff because they still had mail coming in for some of the, the people on there and i said no uh, <laughs> because i had put in for a week's vacation which was starting that following week and said, you guys approved it. I said, yeah, but you know, we're, we're, we're laying off my, yeah, I know, but I'm still taking my vacation. Yeah, really. So I said, look, I'll come in on Monday and I'll do whatever training you need for that. And then I'm out. And they said, okay. I mean, what, what could they do? You know, I'm like, forget yeah, it. Like, I'm out. Know. Cause I'm not, I, 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 this was my, what are you going to do? Fire me? Yeah, oh, that was it. I was, I was literally like, oh, yeah. what, 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 if you, if I don't, what's going to happen guys? Hey, like, they're, like, they're like, okay, all right, sure, no problem. So I had my exit. Look, look at them my... trying to turn you into <laughs> trying to turn you into Milton in office space. I was, right? yeah, pretty much. Listen, we, we'd like it just to go down in the basement and just work there for a week and not pay you. Is that okay? No, but uh, so I, 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 uh, yeah, I was like, hey guys, I'm taking the vacation. You, 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 you said it was okay, and nobody said, look, Lee, don't take this vacation because we're letting you go. And they're like, well, we can't really, we couldn't tell you we we're gonna let you go. I'm like, I know that, but I still put in for it, and you yeah. okayed it. You, so you could have not okayed we're it. We're doing it, you know? okay, guys. So uh, I did my exit interview. I came in that Monday. I trained mm -hmm. the receptionist here. This is the best way to deal with mail coming through and people wanting their stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I walked out the door and never went back. Yeah. Because yeah. after about two months later, they'd moved everybody out of that building anyways and went over to the other space they'd started the business at. And that was the end of that. Yeah. But I, I already, I still had my ninja job. I still picked up other work. Um, so I, I wasn't sad. 
it was right. an interesting part of my life because then I found myself working as a full-time performer. It was mm-hmm. sort of like, uh, we're going to teach you to swim, just toss you in the water. And I had to learn how to swim. So I had to like paddle my way into making more money. And I found that way. So when 2019 rolled around, no, 2020 rolled around. Right. And it was leap year, February. It was leap year day, February. I remember when it happened. When Ninja shut down, that, that was like cold water in the face. I'm like, oh my God, that's my main income right now. Right, right. And then I'm like, okay, don't worry about it, Lee. You still got the after school program. You're still doing the shows over there. We'll, we'll, I'll find a way to work this out. I'll look for other work. It'll be okay. And then we spent a year and a half in our apartments. Yeah. You know, and I went on unemployment and I picked up whatever money anybody would give me in unemployment and whatever. And that was two years of that. But yeah. I was still doing, um, I was still teaching on Zoom for a couple of people. Uh, some of those after school programs had switched over to Zooms for their kids. Mm-hmm. And I was I did a couple things there. Uh, and so then this was, this was a, a, a continuation or a partial continuation of what you were doing pre Yeah, yeah, okay. kinda. Kinda. So, then once things opened up again, mm-hmm. uh, Tannen's Magic Shop. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They're uh, a magic shop in New York City. It's been there since 1925. It's changed owners throughout the years. Where, and where is it located? Right now, we're at 34th Street between 5th and 6th, building number 45, room number 608. Open from it. Monday through Friday, 11 to 6, Saturday, 10 to 4. Thank you. So I, I this is the shop I'd always gone to for my stuff and hang out. And I knew the people there. And the owner, Adam, was looking for new people. And he said, Lee, uh, would you like to work here for a little bit? I'm like, it's a job? Yeah. Are you going to pay me? Yes, I'm going to be there. So I've been working there uh, since I think I'm up to my almost two years now, Mm -hmm. close to two years now. And I worked there like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays and Saturdays. And then um, so the after school program really didn't come back, though I am teaching one one class a week now. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I could probably get more. But right now I've taught for a long time, so I'm kind of. A little burned out from it, and I, I once a week is fine for me right now. Right, right. Also, I've gotten a gig at a show called the Rose Room Show as the resident magician. Now, it's a show that goes Thursday, Friday, Saturdays from eleven thirty to one thirty in the morning mm-hmm. at a place called it's called the Producers Club, which is this place space on Forty oh, yeah, Fourth, and they've taken over one of the rooms and turned it into their own little cabaret room. Oh, and I'm there, and I do two five minute sets during the late night show, uh-huh. so I get paid to do that now. So look at you, you're back in the area doing late night shows. Yeah, again. yeah, more than some. Well, it's a couple <laughs> times. No, more than two people think goodness so i've been doing that for uh, since april and we're going into the holidays now what else what what is the rest of the show uh it's an aerialist usually they have uh, an mc who sings and and does some comedy uh i there's also some go-go dancing it's it's meant to be more of an adult sort of circus feel to it's not a family show i'm also still doing you know it's starting at 11 30 i would hope it's probably i hope not i hope not but they also do a cabaret show beforehand on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, mm. where they usually have someone doing a singing act, and they usually been having a magician come in and do about 10 minutes as well. And I'm on their schedule for that twice a week. So I'll do cool. Thursdays and Saturdays there, the cabaret show, and then, of course, I just hang around and do the late night shows. I always do. So, uh, so I have that now. I'm picking up some party work as well, you know, occasionally. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So even, I went from doing a lot to sitting in my apartment for two years, about felt like two years, year and a half, was it? <laughs> to back into doing shows again. Mm-hmm. So, the thing is, though, 
I, I don't know if it's because of the pandemic, my apartment, or maybe I'm getting older, but it's uh, I'm finding it a little harder to do a show till two or three in the morning, sleep for three hours, and get up again for the next thing. Uh, maybe it's because I am getting older. I don't know, but I'm finding it's a little harder to motivate myself in the mornings to get up from these things. But I'm still doing it. Well, let me ask you this: what What would be an ideal? Do you, Do you have any target? Like you know, uh, what would you see yourself? Or what would you like to see yourself doing, say, two years from now with this? Uh, partly, I, I want to be able to make a living performing. As a comedy magician, great. I love that. If it's maybe doing something else, acting or improvising, that's fine too. I know it sounds kind of general. I'm, I'm not being specific enough. But the idea of being able to make a, li- a good living and paying my bills as a performer is is something I, I, I want to do and I'm doing and I want to continue to do. If I can find a, a, a base, if you will, a, a regular sort of gig doing it, great. If uh, I end up, I even thought about going back to being an actor for a little bit maybe, mm-hmm. uh, but that means getting headshots. I haven't done it in like <laughs> 10 years and things like that. And then going back and doing some auditioning, I still have my equity card. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. I, I keep that's the bills. I keep the, equity, uh, the dues paid. And most of the times I keep the dues paid on that. Uh, but I still have my equity card. I still keep my, my nose in the backstage and things pop up once in a while. Maybe I put in for it. But for me, it's, it's about being a performer and being from an audience. We just I just did a comedy sports show last Saturday. Mm-hmm. And uh, they do it uh, every Saturday. It's like 4.30 and I'm scheduled. I usually could do twice a month I'll be with them. I, I did the what was called the ref job, which is the hosting job of the show. And mm-hmm. I love hosting. I really do. It's one of my favorite well, I, things I can, to do. I've not seen you do that. I've seen you do improv. I yeah. haven't seen you do that, but I, I imagine- Hosting be... is a little touch improv, pretty much just helping the show, warming the crowd up. Uh, right, the right. Going. But as you know, I, I would as imagine you know, that would play to your strengths in some way. It does. I love it a lot. Uh, when I do the Rose Room show, I have those two sets I do. Uh, and I, I they let me do- they let me choose my material. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they ask me to you know to fit it towards the theme sometimes. And that's fine. And I get director's notes and I take them, but they they let me be my character on stage, which is mm-hmm. is a, me but magnified a bit. If you will. <laughs> right, right. Um, I, I you know what I I, I want to ask you one more question uh, sure. about the oh and the I'd love to tell of... I love to tell one story if I could but oh yeah no we'll, we'll we'll get there okay, trust me yeah. we we we've already planned on that so but here I wanted to ask you um you know because you initially if I'm understanding what you're saying when you started doing magic it was a way of diversifying what you were doing with the companies you were working for the kids parties sort of stuff like that but i've seen you over the years kind of like really i mean you you when you dove in you you at least to where i was standing and watching you it looked like you really dove in and and it it had a wonderful result and wonderful work um is it still something that that is like oh it's just one path to being a performer or has it become anything because you seem to really you seem to really have a great affinity for it not just a skill for it i think what i like about being a a, i call it being a comedy magician yeah but i like to call myself a performer because i never want to feel like i'm I'm just sticking myself in one spot but what i like about it is it allows me to take the skills i've learned over the years my acting skills my improv skills and apply it into a situation where i can interact with the audience and i perform magic with them and i can i can joke with them and i can i can riff off stuff they say things like that so for me it's it's i really enjoy it also i mean 
you know, when you buy them, when you get a magic trick, it's 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 fun. I like picking out a new trick and and playing with it and, and finding a way to, to work it into the act if I can, or find material I can work with it, write my own jokes with if I can. I always tell people when you when you get a magic trick, it's like getting a Christmas gift. You know, it's like, oh, it's a new gift, new thing. You open it up, oh, it's a new toy. You know, mm. it's not that it is. It's new toys, and I love toys. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really enjoy being a comedy magician, but I really enjoy being a performer. And, I, and being from an audience is, I spent I spent since I was eighteen getting in front of a crowd. You know, whether it was on stage mm. or doing kids parties or improv or doing uh, interactive theater, you know, things like that. Just being from an audience is the thing I enjoy most. So if, it's, if it means I'm doing it with a card trick, I'm doing it with a card trick. If down the road uh, people offer me an opportunity to do it with maybe just standing in front of them with a mic or, or doing it with a group with improv or, or putting me in a costume, great. The advantage of being a comedy magician is that I never have to really audition. As an actor, you have to audition for something. What I do, they hey, you do comedy and magic? Yeah, I do. Yeah, come over, we'll give you five minutes. You know, right, I, there's, right. there's not a whole lot of auditioning involved because they're just looking for a spe- specific skill set. And since I have that skill set and people know I'm good at it, it's easy for me to get work with it than auditioning for stuff. Because I, I hated auditioning. <laughs> I really did. I don't I think understand. It, I there think there, there aren't a lot of no, actors no, out don't. there who say, Boy, oh boy, I sure I hope uh, I get forget to do the, lots yeah, of auditions. Forget this role stuff. Just let me audition for a living. <laughs> right. That's all I want. Well, well listen, if I may, I, sure. I'd just like to say I'm, I'm whatever you're doing going forward, whatever, uh, I, I hope you'll continue to do it w- with us as often and, and uh, as time and circumstance allow. We always love having you around. I appreciate that. Um, and just thanks for spending some time with us, man. Oh, thank you. Um, Before we disappear from here, um, uh, tell me, uh, uh, let people know where they can track you down, A, if they want to see you uh, doing your thing, or if they want to hire you to do your thing wherever they are. Okay. uh, There's Facebook, of course. I I think people are still using that. I don't know if the kids are starting to do something new now. But Facebook is um, the Comedy Magic of Lee Allen Barrett. I have my own little web page for that. I mean, a little little Facebook page for that. Uh, I'm on Instagram. Just look under Lee Barrett. <laughs> I think you'll find me. Uh, let's see. I, I should really have more uh, content, I guess, out there. But like, I, you know, I'm not, I don't. Uh, but if they want to find me, I'm at Tannen's Magic Shop. Uh, the Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, and some Saturdays. Uh, the Rose Room Show. They can look up the Rose Room Show NYC. I'm the resident magician there, and then we do shows out of the Producers Club on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. And if they're looking just to hire someone for uh, you know, for kids parties and stuff like that. Uh, Again, you can find me on Facebook or uh, uh, LeeAllenBarrett at gmail.com if you need to send me an email. Excellent. Well, please, by all means, folks, check him out uh, and, and and seek him out and hire him. Uh, and when we are back to doing live shows, again, be sure to come to our shows because oh, yeah, he's going to be around. So, yeah, I'm on Instagram, uh, Facebook, IHOP, you know, all, all the major uh, <laughs> things. <laughs> <laughs> But that, that's like MySpace, right? I hop, yeah, except you're in pancake form. Oh, much. yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, actually, I prefer that. I prefer pancakes, too. <laughs> oh, man, I enjoyed talking with Lee Allen Barrett. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to him. I, I just love his work, and uh, I have to say, too, you know, knowing him as long as I've known him, it's also just a, a joy to work with in all of the various 
platforms we have through No Name Show through the years. So our thanks to Lee Allen Barrett. So we want to thank you guys for coming to play with us. We want to thank our sponsors, the historic Astor House Bed and Breakfast in beautiful Green Bay. We want to thank Courtney Hill, who wrote and performed our opening and closing theme music. We want to thank Gary Hardcastle, our producer and the wizard behind the sound engineering. By the way, it's going to sound like the show is ending. We're not ready to go home yet. So stick around. We'll finish it proper and then improperly. We'll come right back with a little special bonus content. Hang out. It should be fun. We want to thank you guys so much for choosing to spend some time with us today. If you like what you hear, please share it on social media. Let people know about it. I think what we're doing is pretty good. We'd like to share it. Thank you for your time. My name is Eric Vetter. I love you all. Hey there. If you're still here, thank you for still being here. And if you're not here, well, then it doesn't matter what I say. I can talk shit about you. You won't know. Unless your friends tell you. I got to think this through. Anyway, thank you for being here. Today's bonus content. Uh, we got Lee Allen Barrett, our guest from today, talking some stuff about no-name past. Some war stories, as I like to call them. And we have some music from one of our favorite music makers, uh, the wonderful singer-songwriter Jordan Oakland, a song I particularly like of his called Empty Space. And it's actually produced by another friend of ours, a longtime member of the Summer Replacements, Miles Blue Spruce. So uh, Miles Blue Spruce produced a song called Empty Space by Jordan Oakland after some, some more stories from Lee Allen Barrett. All of that coming right after this word from Word Up. Word Up Community Bookshop, located at 2113 Amsterdam Avenue. That's the corner of 165th Street and Amsterdam Avenue in Washington Heights. This is a wonderful place. It's a community-based place, and it is the bookshop with a little something extra. They have a great selection of new and used books, not only in English, but in Spanish and many other languages as well. They also have merchandise from notebooks to T-shirts to tote bags to games, all sorts of cool stuff there. It is largely volunteer-staffed. They also have programs for young people. There are artist events, author events. There are writing workshops, so please check them out. Lots of good stuff there. They also have an online bookshop. Do check them out at wordupbooks.com. And support independent bookshops. That's always a good thing. Whenever you're in Washington Heights, uptown New York City, be sure to drop into Word Up Community Bookshop. We're at, uh, at um, uh, the place on 8th Avenue A. Um, oh, uh, Mo Pitkin's House of Satisfaction. No, 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 no. The voodoo, on Avenue A. The voodoo uh, with the the shrunken heads. Oh, oh, I, oh, I, I thought you're not going back as far as I thought you were going. Oh, there was uh, yeah, that Otto space. shrunken head. Uh, House of Satisfaction. We worked there till it's mysteriously closed, and yeah, no they, never they, went back. I don't know why. I don't blame your show for it, but it did close <laughs> down. But we're talking of uh, uh, Otto shrunken Otto head. Otto shrunken head. Yeah, uh, which, were, which we are hoping to return to oh, soon. Yeah. You would do shows in the back where uh, they had a little stage. And one night I go in and I, I go all the way in the back and it's raining in the back room. There was some water leakage and, and, and it's coming from the ceiling, not just in one spot. We're talking just rain. It was literally <laughs> raining in this back room. Water's just coming down. And I'm looking at this like, holy crap. I'm like, Eric, you got to cancel the show. And Eric's like, and you said, nope. 
said, Eric, you didn't hear me. You have to cancel the show. It's raining here. It's, <laughs> it's raining inside this room. And you're like, nope, nope. I was told they're going to turn the water off. They're going to handle it. We'll be fine. Show's going on. I'm like, it's, the show's like, like 20, 25 minutes. Are you, are you? So like, nope, nope. We're fine. Show's going to go on. i like, okay, fine. Show's going to go on. Great, great. So uh, 25 minutes later, almost all the water stopped. The the, the 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 floors have been dried. The, the the tables have been dried off. The chairs have been dried off. How you guys plug things in after that happened? Uh, you you were daring son of a guns. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but there was one spot where the water was still coming down, and somebody put a bucket. Yeah. So which, if I recall correctly, after, got emptied once or twice during the evening. Probably did. Should have. Uh, so <laughs> there we went from a room where it was r- literally raining inside. It was raining inside this room. Water's coming down to 25 minutes later. We got a, a little faucet coming down a little bit, you know, and a little bucket and show went on. Show went on. We did the show that night. And I went up there and I was doing my, sh- my shtick and I would go, hey, everybody, welcome to the new water park we have here. Uh, as you can see, we have a little wishing well here. If you want to throw some dimes in there, go right ahead, go right ahead. And we went on with the show. We did the show. Well, I, I, really I, I, I wish it, I wish I could take credit for for being daring and bold and 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 show must go on. But I, the truth of the matter is, Otto's management had investigated the situation. They were the ones who told me actions were taken and that it was going to keep going like that for a little bit. But within a half hour, it was going to stop or mostly stop. And the the decision to plug the band in and all of that that was again purely on their on their jurisdiction or whatever. We you know I I would have been unhappy, but I would have walked out and said, "Ah, oh, we can't do a show tonight." No, you know you, my you, my inclination is like, well, we'll say, find a way to adapt. You didn't say any of that. You didn't even say adapt. Yeah, <laughs> you were like, "Nope, show's going on." You were just being stubborn. I looked you in the eyes, said, "It's raining in here," and you're like, "Nope, show's going on." I hear you clearly, Lee. Nothing wrong with that. I'm reading your lips. Show's going on. It's <laughs> showing on. We had a good show. And and I think you may have been checking my breath to see if if I had gotten my pre-show beverage. Yet. I was kind of hoping you had a pre-show beverage at that point, <laughs> no, man, because no. I was like, maybe maybe you'll change your mind after a beer or two. Nope. <laughs> showing on. Swimming in circles Catching my breath With every chance And I'm floating on empty The stars above me Take their glance And I'm waiting on something To keep me going, yeah To keep me safe My eyes are still closed No more time to hesitate But I keep trying I keep trying Hoping I'll be kept awake I'm just floating I'm just floating Through empty space All through empty space Through empty space
breathing in Cause all the fear in my body has disappeared My deadly fleeting Look, if you've hung around this long, I ain't going to keep you any longer. I hope you enjoyed our episode. I hope you enjoyed the bonus content. And thanks for hanging out with us. Check out everybody online. You already got all the information. If you don't, that's what Google is for. Thanks a lot. Until next time, my name is Eric Vetter. And even after next time, my name is Eric Vetter. Take good care.